0: Do-do-do-do-do-do. Here we go. My name is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 333. 333. It's a lot of threes. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who? My darling. (laughs) Doesn't want to feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding on today's show we're going to talk about why misery loves company it does we're going to play a clip from conan o'brien yes i'm gonna talk a little bit about the conference yes and we have a listener's question i haven't even told you that but we have a listener's question oh, okay good so and i'll talk about my first partner Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life. Your first partner? Our Our first partner. Our first partner. Dr. Kelly from Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. She adjusts me and my family twice a month, and she keeps my family healthy and happy. So if you want to be healthy and happy, then you should go to see Dr. Kelly at chirotree.com. Done. And And done. And doctor. And doctor. Um do we wanna conference. Conference. Let's talk about that. Let's get
1: Reals and Parenting Conference. Yes, the early bird special ended, but that's okay. You can still go. It's okay. It's okay, everybody. It's yes. okay. Don't cry. We will take care of you. Um, we it, So tickets are still on sale, and we're kind of switching gears to now let's get these groups here because – this year, of course, our focus is parents, and parents are always our top priority, but right pretty close to that top priority are educators, because I am an educator. Um, I believe in education. I love teachers. Um, Todd is also an education educator in a different capacity, and we believe that um, educators are People who go into the profession of teaching children or adults want to help and give back.
0: Yeah, they're not in it for the money. No. Most of them. You can't make a blanket, but most of them are.
1: I would say the vast majority. I can't imagine someone being like... I want to make a lot of money. So, so I'm going to go be a, be a teacher. teacher. The People who are teaching are doing it because they want to give back. They want to love. They want to support. And oftentimes it's because they've had their own personal experience with a good teacher. Mm-hmm. And so they want to recreate that experience for other people. I'm saying this because our teachers this year for the conference um, are all very vital to parents, but also to educators, especially Rosalind Wiseman, who actually who. Um, again she wrote queen bees and wannabes she also wrote master men and wingmen um master is it master what
0: masterminds and masterminds
1: and wingmen and so it's about boy culture girl co- culture she talks about bring talks about how to bring dignity into our schools into our homes helping our children on a daily basis have more a dignity for themselves and others so this is really targeted at the educational system yeah she goes to schools and talks to them so teachers administrators principals um, anybody who works in the system social workers this is you want to see her you want to hear this and Ali Smith, who is the executive director of the Holistic Life Foundation, also works in the schools. He's the guy who has gone viral about the school in Baltimore that is using uh, meditation and mindfulness and yoga instead of detention. That's Ali Smith. They're not using his name. They are using Holistic Life Foundation, but he founded it. It's him.
0: With his brother and another And guy, his right?
1: brother and a good friend yeah. um, who all lived in this neighborhood growing up, went away to school and came back and are giving this back to their community. So educators – this is great, and Rob Bell, it's for everybody it's i we have a feeling he's going to talk about parenting, but really his message is universal yep. there's you nobody will feel left out in that conversation right so anyway, if you are an educator or a social worker or a therapist and you can get a few people together or a group together contact us, and we're going to give you a discount rate. If it's just you, still contact us because we want you there. We also have a scholarship fund that we're creating through the people who are – all of our listeners are helping us out. We have this thing called Zen Friend on the website, or actually it's on the registration page. That's right. And if you become a Zen Friend and donate whatever you want to, then you're helping us get people to the conference who couldn't otherwise otherwise afford it. So – First of all, be a Zen friend and help others out. Can I give a
0: shout out to a Zen friend? Please. Sean Emerson.
1: Thank you, Sean.
0: So he's just signed up for the conference, and he happens to be our yoga instructor. He does. And he was kind enough not only to register for it, he also became a Zen friend, which basically meant he uh, donated or invested a little bit of his own hard-earned cash to put us in a position to run a really good conference. so And
1: to get the people there who need to be there. Yeah,
0: there's a scholarship fund that is a part of that. So if um, there's people here and they just know for sure that they can't make it to the conference, but you take something away from our show and you feel like giving back a little bit, not only to us, but for the people who want to go, but can't because of money, this is a way that you can do that.
1: So again, Zen Friend, you can just go to zengetsreal.com or zenparentingradio.com and you will find um, our the website for the conference. It's right there on events. So anyway, how do you contact us? Comments at zenparentingradio.com. Let us know if you have a group or if you just really want to get there. What's that? Oh. Todd, don't play "Hot for Teacher."
0: It's teacher. It's not
1: sexualized teacher.
0: This isn't. Uh, this is a Van Halen song, sweetie. This is music.
1: Correct, but this also. Do you remember this video?
0: I'm watching it right now.
1: Correct. There are teachers stripping
0: in this video. She's not stripping. She's in a bathing suit.
1: As a woman who is a teacher and yeah. the mother of three daughters, yeah. I don't know if "Hot for Teachers" the right vein for this conversation. Not the right
0: message. Do you have? Uh, what's another good teacher song? I can
1: um, play? Let's see. I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head, which is not common for me. Look, look, Google teacher songs and see if you can find something. I
0: will. What's it called? This is Nick Jonas, sweetie.
1: Ooh, I like Nick Jonas. It's
0: called Teacher.
1: I, I have a feeling.
0: There's a lady in a bathing suit. Yeah, I
1: have a feeling it's still not the right message. Okay,
0: that's strike two. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. We can we can work with this. Okay,
1: I have a feeling that if you look up teacher, see that's the thing. Librarians and teachers have been a bit sexualized in our culture. Don't you believe? I do. I do. How about that skit on Saturday Night Live the other night with uh, Margot Robbie as the
0: librarian? Yes, that was <laughs> kind of funny, actually.
1: <laughs> Very random, but I laughed right. out
0: loud. Uh, maybe I'll find some later. In the
1: okay, show. so I might look up something too. So let's go to the real topic of this. Uh, this podcast today. This
0: podcast of ours.
1: So Todd and I have been having all these conversations about about life and communicating with other people and who we talk to about our issues and who talks to us about their issues. And we I didn't know how to encapsulate all this. But one thing Todd said right before we walked downstairs is, you know, misery loves company. And there's a truth to that. I think that. Obviously, because the quote has been around a long time, you know, we can find in our own lives times that we've wanted to be with miserable people because we're feeling miserable and vice versa. Right. You know, times where we, um, what is the vice versa? We want to be with miserable people because we feel miserable. And then the other is where we're feeling good and people who are miserable get annoyed at us. Yes.
0: Both, both ways. And like, I even think like, you know, because we are obviously usually positive on this podcast. And uh, sometimes I think people listen to us because they're kind of down and they're just having a bad day and they look to us to kind of maybe prop them up a little bit. But I also think that there's probably times when they're like, you know what, I'm in a blue mood. And I don't really feel like feeling better. And I don't want to listen to Todd and Kathy talk about positivity. Oh, yeah. So they purposely stay, avoid us when they're in that state.
1: I have a few very close friends who say they avoid me Mm -hmm. when they're feeling bad, that I'm the last person they want to talk to, which is um, understandable in some ways, but also breaks my heart a little bit um, because I would hope that I could, and I think I do my best to not be judgmental in that
0: time. Sometimes you just don't feel like hearing any, you don't, sometimes you're going through an emotional process and you don't want it to change for whatever reason. You don't want
1: to hear why it's going to be okay. No. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, that happens.
1: Well, you know, not only does misery love company, but misery loves, you know, or I should say mediocrity Mm -hmm. loves company is that People are much more comfortable with people who are experiencing mediocrity. And when I'm using that word, what I mean is just kind of average going through the motions, not a lot of, you know, not a lot of excitement, you know, kind of dealing with the same kind of day after day kind of crap. People are more comfortable with them than people who are like pursuing their dreams or, you know, having fantastic experiences or seeing the world through a a lens of, wow, this is super cool – A lot of times those people are made fun of and are often the butt of jokes. And I think that has a lot to do with that the company people like to keep are either people who are at the same place they are or or people who are doing a lot worse. Right.
0: Because it makes them feel.
1: Better about themselves. And And I think that's that's the thing about um, underdogs is that when someone is like, say, starting a business, they're like kicking off a business and they're like – taking all these risks and, you know, they're just like, oh, this is hard. Everyone's like, you can do it. You can do it. And everyone's like, you know, crowding around them or writing on their Facebook page or like, oh, and then that person has success. Yeah. Everyone dispersed. Not everyone. That's right. too extreme. I, I'm not a big fan of A lot everyone. of people. A lot of people back away and say, well, you already have your success, so I'm not going to add to that.
0: Yeah. Um, there's something we talked about it this morning is, you know, if you want to find yourself Really find out who your friends are is the friends that can be happy for you when you're doing well. Yeah. Because a lot of the times when that happens, we've already said it once or twice on this podcast, but it makes the other people feel less than. Like if they're succeeding and I'm not, it's just a reminder that I'm not meeting all my goals.
1: And here's what's so interesting. And I think what we don't understand about people, and I have to remind myself of this all the time. So people who are miserable, like all the time, really, that is a demonstration of where their mind is, they're focusing on what they can't stand in their life all the time. So it's like their, lens are fo- their lenses are finally focused on these are the things that aren't working, therefore they are miserable. Right. People who are not miserable all the time are much more focused on what is working in their life or what they love, and that's where their lenses are. But here's the most important thing. It doesn't mean they don't have misery. Right? See, we look at people and we say, if they look happy, if they have a success, they don't know what it's like to feel sad. They've never had any pain, and they do. Mm-hmm. They just experience it differently, Have maybe have some tools for it, but also don't focus all their energy on it. They don't say, this is my story. This is who I am. I'm miserable. They say, all these miserable experiences have happened or are happening, but I am going to choose to look at this so I can tolerate the challenges.
0: So this is kind of a personal um, you know, insight for both of us, but maybe more for you, because you have you ever had anybody in your life that say, well, Kathy, your life is just easy. All the time. And how does that make you feel?
1: Unseen. Because I feel as if... I, I mean people who listen to the show and my good friends and my family know that the experiences that I have um but I do not believe um, even though see this is where this is where it gets tough with words because someone is someone wants to come back and say my pain has been greater my experience has been worse and it becomes this like competition competition between who has had the most pain I'm not even going to run through a list of things because I don't feel well, the need to justify but what I'm trying to say is that pain is not something that is foreign to me. Yeah, Pain is a very normal thing in my life, and it's something that I've had to – the reason that we are doing what we're doing right now is because I have had to learn how to deal with pain. It's right. not because I haven't had it. Right. And so when people say, well, you wouldn't understand, or, well, you're you're lucky, or this is easy, I feel as if they don't understand the work that has been put in –
0: right they just think things just come to you you know you and i have not a perfect marriage but a pretty darn good one and i think that sometimes people think that oh we just happen to get lucky by finding each other we found our soulmates and because of that everything is so easy you and i work at this marriage don't we every day every day and that's why it's good and
1: the word work i yeah. mean let me get wordy here right the word work gets misconstrued what it means is that I practice personally, individually on living a life where I'm not focusing on misery and where I'm focusing on what's working and who I am and what I need to do and say and how I belong in the world individually. Then I do my best to bring that to Todd and have compassion for who he is and understand he isn't the same as me and that when we are not seeing eye to eye, it's not because he's a jerk and he's wrong, but because his experience and his life is different than mine, even if we live under the same roof and have been married 14 years. Hmm. And the job that I have then in that situation is to listen, say what I need to say and be able to work that through. That takes a buttload of energy. And that's sometimes the the step that people want to jump over mm-hmm. is I don't feel like having to work that hard.
0: Well, and take it to parenting, like, you know, our no children are perfect, including our children, Absolutely. but our children are all pretty awesome and that doesn't mean they get the best grades, but they're just Usually kind towards each other? And not
1: just grades. It doesn't mean that their lives have been simple. It doesn't mean they haven't had challenges. It doesn't mean they haven't had sicknesses or doctor things or um, friendship issues, not to even mention school and those challenges. It's where the focus is in their lives. Those things have not become their identity. Mm. That's the key is, you know, I kind of sometimes – I feel sometimes when people – you know, give the story of their children, it's, well, they've had this struggle and this struggle and this happened yesterday and this struggle. But what about what's, what's the essence of this kid?
0: Well, and what I was going to say is, um, our kids uh, still struggle to this day. But having said that, most of the time, they're not struggling. And it's because of the amount of work that we have Done and continue to do. Like when problems show up, we address them. Correct. When they show up, as opposed to kicking the can down the the road, hoping that things will just eventually. What is that
1: kicking the can thing? That is a really interesting thing to me. Don't you think? Like that whole idea of that there is a crisis, and that we choose to say, "I'm not going to look at that."
0: Yeah, they don't want to deal with it in the moment because they have. Maybe an impression that it'll just kind of work itself out,
1: and I think I know I've done that before. So I'm not saying, "Oh, these crazy people." I've done it too. I'm talking about it as a phenomenon. Yeah. Like, isn't that interesting that we are more tolerant of feeling the pain of the crisis than we are at looking at how to deal with the crisis? Well, and
0: what we, you have said on this podcast—that was a few months ago—but we think that we are. Uh, conserving our energy by kicking the can down the road when in fact you're actually expending much more of it. If you deal with it, maybe not in the moment, but maybe in that day or that week or whatever, and you deal with it, it frees you up.
1: And you don't expand the crisis. See, a crisis means is basically a red siren Mm -hmm. saying this needs to be addressed. This has reached a critical point. And if it's not addressed, it will become more critical, meaning that it may dissolve in that it's no longer talked about. Let me give an example so we're not just talking about – uh, analogies here. So you have a kid who's really struggling, who has a hard time, you know, cries a lot, and has a lot of feelings, and is really anxious and really upset. And they come home a lot and talk to you about I'm scared and I'm worried. And instead of like, okay, let's let's deal with this and let's talk this through and let's let's talk about how you feel or maybe get support or help or. We just say, oh, this is so overwhelming and, and maybe today he or she will feel better. And, and then maybe they start coming home and they stop saying they're anxious. And so we're like, oh, good. It went away. And it, it didn't. Right. It just went somewhere else in their body. Yeah. It has
0: got stored somewhere. It got stored. And it will somehow come out in not the best way.
1: And let me be sure so people aren't freaking out because I can hear how that can sound. If you have an anxious child or a depressed child and and you have been talking it through and they have been like sharing and journaling or doing whatever they do and they come home and they they say, actually, I do feel better, that's probably very real. Right. I'm not saying if you have an anxious child, they'll never not be anxious. Rarely
0: do problems just go away.
1: Correct. They are either discussed and released mm-hmm. or dealt with or we find tools to deal with them. Rarely do they just dissipate Yeah, like maybe
0: sometimes there's maturity issues that they they grow out of a problem. But most of the time we're like, and you know, you and I have, I don't know if we've coined the phrase, but we talk about many meltdowns between you and I, and we don't let things uh, build. I try very
1: hard, as do you, to not have a crisis occur. What I notice in me, okay, so I have, one of my children has this really great thing. Um, where she, when she's worried about something or uh, is nervous to tell us something, gets sick to her stomach. Mm. Now, a lot of you may say, oh God, that sucks, that's really hard. I have told her it's the best thing that's ever happened to her. Why? Because then she doesn't keep it in. She literally, her body doesn't allow her to shove it down. She gets physically sick. Now, when I say physically, I don't mean vomiting. I mean like it, it affects her where it speaks to her, it talks to her, it tells her this isn't right. And a lot of times, you guys, it's not even real. What I mean by that is once she says out loud what she's thinking or feeling, all I have to say is, oh, honey, it's totally normal Mm -hmm. what you're feeling and it dissipates. But if she didn't speak it, then that fear that isn't even a truth would become lodged in her body Mm -hmm. as something that makes her feel less than or makes her feel ashamed or whatever the word is. And she would learn how to tolerate that pain and stop listening to her body. So there's
0: three steps here. One is one of our kids gets a stomach ache. So yes. step one is to have a body that kind of tells you what's going on. And you e- think that everybody Everybody
1: does. does. I, I don't just think.
0: Okay, you know.
1: I do, but I think we have become deaf to it.
0: Step two yes. is to listen to your body Correct. when this happens. Because sometimes like... I'll have a stomach ache, but not even know that it's a stomach ache. You know, like right. it's, I just ignore the pain.
1: And here's the important thing about step two: about listen to the body. That's when we may need some help, either through our own journaling, through uh, through someone that we care about or trust. Um, or someone that cares about us and that we trust, or maybe someone professional, because fear doesn't always mean bad. Right. And and happy doesn't always mean it's the best thing for you. Yeah. We have to decipher through the emotion. We don't just label it and say, okay, here's the answer. Because a lot of people will say, um well i'm feeling afraid so that must mean not to move forward no because you may be afraid because you're pl- trying out for a play mm-hmm. because you want to be in it so bad yeah
0: fear doesn't mean bad
1: and then on the other side someone may say well when i'm with this guy it just makes me feel so happy that i'm so happy that that must mean i must be with him but at the same time he's not treating you well or you're not getting a and when i'm saying guy i'm talking about younger people i'm not i'm not talking about marriage here but like um you know we feel like since I'm feeling happy right now, that must mean that everything else is fine, mm-hmm. even though maybe it's not an even or fair relationship. Yeah. Um, sometimes our emotions are just like a, they're indicators of what's going on underneath, yeah. but then we have to decipher through what that means. And that's
0: the thing. It's a guidepost and hopefully you're listening and then hopefully you, and then what do you do with it? Our daughter is smart enough and is trusting enough at her tender age to be able to talk to you about it. And I just hope that we keep those lines of communication open for as long as possible.
1: And I know you guys who listen to this have heard me say this before, but actually most of the time she writes it to me. Oh, that's right. She writes it to me in a notebook.
0: We should just talk about that as a tool, as a resource. We already have
1: several times on this show. One more time. When my daughter has something challenging or something she's worried about or anxious about, and she has a hard time telling me to my face, she says, I'm going to write to you tonight. She writes it in a notebook, throws it on my bed. I read it that night, write back to her, and she reads it in the morning. Yeah. Now, it doesn't have to be. See,
0: now that's something so much more uh, I don't, realistic is probably the wrong term, but... Um, it's within grasp. Yes. Because kids, uh, there will be a time in every kid's life where they think their parents are, you know, not cool or crazy or whatever, and they shut down. And to have these kind of lovey-dovey conversations between father and son or father and daughter or mother and son or mother and daughter, I just kind of feel like like that's my goal, but I don't think it will be like that. They can't always be planned. So my point is, I just think that that is just, it's a wonderful way to keep that line of communication because it's really hard for a young person to come to their parents and tell them what they're struggling with. I'm sorry.
1: Amen. That's the thing is when... Sometimes what – even on this show, what we talk about, we'll be like, yeah, that feels so right. That's completely how it should be. That's how the world should work. And then we get into a real-life situation like that and we're like, oh, my gosh, that's so hard. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we have to find tools to, to – Stay in our integrity and to do what is right, but it may not look like it does in the movies. Right. You know what I mean. Right. We may have to figure out other avenues. If it be through, I have talked to a lot of parents, and I would agree with this in my own experience that texting, for as much as we want to say technology sucks, texting has become a wonderful tool for parental communication. Use
0: it as a resource. Yes. Instead of shame it, which we just did a screening, we didn't shame any. No, there was no shaming, but. We see it as such a negative, and it can be something used positively.
1: Well, I was just at the uh, Iowa game this weekend. Go Hawks! Go Hawks! They didn't win. They lost to Northwestern Wildcats. Um, <laughs> but I was with my friend Jenny, and she said to me, "I because she has how many kids does she have now? Six, five?
0: I don't know. There's a bunch.
1: I know she she has so many children. Um, and but what she has said, and I and I know that sounds funny to say that. Let me go through really quick. Emily and and Mesvin and Faye, and I, six. She has six children. Ding, 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 ding. I know. She just adopted a son a little bit ago, so I had to make sure I had that counted in the mix. She was saying that as she was watching the game, she's like, I am texting. Her husband was gone, he was far away, and The kids were at home and they were all doing a group text about the game Mm -hmm. while she was at the game. So while she was with her friends and having her own weekend, she was connected to her family through text and they were all, you know, having their own emotional, personal experience with that. And that's pretty darn cool. Like that, those are the kind of things where that's connection. And again, I know that's different than telling difficult things, but a lot of times that's how text can be used too, is if... When I was young, if I was at a party and people had been drinking and I wanted my mom to come pick me up because I was afraid to drive with someone drunk or, you know, God forbid I was drunk, it would be hard to pick up the phone and say, come pick me up. That's a really challenging conversation. And we expect that from our kids. But, and I'm saying expect that kind of in quotes, like we're like, that's the right thing to do kids. But how easy is that?
0: Well, and then rewind the tape. What happened when you were a kid? How open were you with your parents right. during those times? It's impo- it, It's, not, it's impossible. not impossible. It's really challenging.
1: And so if we, they now instead can text us yeah. and say, like with my girls, and I'm not going to go into it because I don't want anybody to know about it, but the we have um, a, a language through text that we have. Created, so I know if they need my help. Oh yeah, you know, and so that's kind of our own way of communicating with each other. Where even if their friends were around, there's a way that I would know they needed me. Yeah, there's some so symbolism. Sometimes we have to be creative in how we have these
0: difficult conversations. Can I back up just a little bit? You Are you going to play me? that
1: backup thing? No. Okay, good.
0: I do have some teacher things that I might be able to play. Let me see if they work. Hold okay. on. There we go. There's one.
1: Even though that's negative about teachers.
0: What about this one? Let me shut this one down. But
1: I just like The Wall, so.
0: You, what about me? It's my, one of my two favorite albums of all time. You
1: like The Wall more than I. Okay, long opening. Stop. Oh, stop. I'm finding this theme with teachers in school that it's never spoken about very positively.
0: What about this one, Okay. Sweetie?
1: Oh, yes. Again, <laughs> again, this relationship was not appropriate. No,
0: it wasn't. What about this one?
1: I don't know this one. You probably do. It sounds like Billy Joel.
0: It's not.
2: Oh.
1: Elton John.
0: It's called Teacher, I Need You.
1: I have a feeling. I don't know the words. I don't know. I can't speak to the Elton John song, but I can speak to Don't Stand So Close to Me. Yeah. That didn't work out so well. What'd you think about the remake of that song?
0: What about this one?
1: Oh, I like this one.
0: And I think it just has a, a line with teachers in it. Back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk and lose, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be be friends.
1: Well, all the words in that first verse are about going back to school. Oh, there you go. So there's a good one. There we go. I think we probably read the lyrics to the whole song, but it sounds good so far. Oh, no. Gosh, (laughs) no. Wrong direction. Wrong
0: direction. At home, drawing pictures. No, no. Um, Jeremy needed support. And there's a whole bunch of others, but that's good. So here's my thing that I want to get to. Um, you talked about how when somebody in your life is saying, yeah, Kathy, it's just so easy for you. You don't know my pain. You don't right. know the severity of my pain. You, I've been through more pain than you have. My thing is, if somebody were to say that to me, first of all, I am blessed. I've had a wonderful life. Yes. I've had some crap go wrong, but for the most part, I've been very blessed. So it is possible that person saying this to me actually has had a lot more pain. True and maybe at the risk of me trying to win the argument, but I will also say that there are people in this world that have had a lot more pain than you have and have gotten through it, have have exceeded expectations, have, have, have taken these challenges and turned them into good things. And I just want to say that that does happen. Um, it's true that your pain may be more severe than mine, and you have more wounds that were given to you as a young child. But there's a lot of other people out there in this world that have gotten a lot worse hand dealt to them and they have come out making positive impacts in their life and they don't feel sorry for themselves and they're not victims, like my biggest trigger is victims, like I can't believe it Like if there is no way, figure out a way there's no way over the mountain, go through it just figure out a way to do it
1: and I think the interesting thing about pain is it's all where you catch the pain because I think the person who would be saying to you or I or anybody else, you have no you do not understand how bad my pain is they're probably in an acute state of pain meaning it just happened you know they're still in that fear state, possibly. Yes and so, no.
0: There's also people that are. Uh, what's the word? They're just all. They're the like, story. Yes. They're the story of pain. Yeah.
1: And and for that, okay, this is this is kind of where I want to get deep about this. this. Is exactly where I wanted to go. Is there are people who have made pain their story and they can look through their lives and look through the experiences they had and connect all the dots to equal pain, and they that is and like you said, Todd, some of the stories I hear. As a social worker, I've seen a lot of ugly things, and I have been with a lot of people who have had ugly experiences, things that question your humanity, things that question the world we live in. Again, these are the reasons I've needed to create tools for myself to recognize the world as good, because yeah. I've heard and seen and worked with enough people who have stories that are very difficult to swallow. With that said, just like you said, these people who have had these experiences have figured out a way to... Not push over the pain, but to fully accept the pain and then figure out what to do with it then. Mm. Because pain, if processed, shared, and dealt through, can be transformed into compassion. Pain can become empathy. Yeah. Pain can become helping others. Pain can
0: be a beautiful thing. It pushes you in a direction you otherwise never may go if you didn't have it.
1: I actually have a quote right in front of me um, that I... It's on my old piece of paper and it says... Tragedy stays alive by feeling what's been done to us. Peace comes alive by living with the result. Pain gets, if pain is stuck and hasn't been dealt with and hasn't been fully processed or realized, or we haven't, we haven't. Like worked through all the pieces, especially the piece that is our responsibility, mm-hmm. and I know you're going to say to yourself, what could possibly be our responsibility when it comes to pain, but oftentimes we are carrying a story about how we led to that pain, how we had responsibility for it, and sometimes we had a literal responsibility, and sometimes we had no responsibility, but because maybe it happened in childhood, we think we did, mm-hmm. so we're carrying shame of something that's not even true that's why it all needs to be vocalized and worked through. If it hasn't been, it's stuck pain. So it can't become compassion. It's still pain. It's Shh. like stuck in its evolutionary, it's stuck in its transformation process.
0: Should I say my Tony Robbins quote on the difference between pain and suffering? Sure, go ahead. Pain is when your model of the world does not match your reality. Okay. Suffering is when your model of the world does not match your reality and you feel powerless to do anything about it. So, for people who are in pain, they can they know, and this is like uh, you know, just which word works and all that. But if you know you can do something about it, that's pain. If you're suffering, you have no hope that you don't think it'll ever get better. Right. So, all you got to do is turn your suffering into pain, and then that pain will propel you into new directions.
1: So, here's what's interesting about that: is it's not about hoping. The word hope works in that, right. but it's about okay doing. A doing. First of all, what's on your arm? Oh, like, lift up your arm on the other side. What is that?
0: Um, just some ink from my purple pen.
1: Okay, he, Todd's a lefty, and he's like covered in ink all the time because he's writing all over with the left. Place. Yes.
0: What about what I did to uh, my smoothie this morning? I want to do a quick tournament of bad. Quick, quick side thing.
1: Okay, I will remember where I left. Will off. you? Yes, I'm writing down the word. Okay.
0: Looking. Terminant of bad. Terminant of bad. Terminant of bad. I'm going to give you uh, your entry for me because then I'm going to come back at you for something. Okay. What did I do to my smoothie this morning when I stuck the asparagus in? You didn't wash the vegetable before yeah. you put it in. First of all, when people wash vegetables, they rinse it underwater for like two seconds. It really doesn't do anything.
1: Yes, it does.
0: No. Like because if, if people like, have been. If touched- you like spray it and like really spray it for like 20 seconds. I do. No, you don't. People just run it under the sink. Have you
1: ever watched me wash the grapes?
0: I've never watched you wash the grapes.
1: I put the sprayer on as hard as I can, and I wash those grapes for a while. What about the apple?
0: Like, don't you just rinse the apple? I rinse the apple, apple,
1: but then I wipe it off with a paper towel. Yeah, I don't do any of that. Okay, see, that's a problem.
0: No, it's not a problem because I'm standing here and I'm fine. (laughs) So here's mine for you. Ready? Uh Uh-oh. The conditioner in the shower? Yeah. How many we got in there? Three. Why would you? Why? Why <laughs> would you take, <laughs> take that a new one until you're done with the old I one? I can answer this question completely. Okay, can't wait to hear it. I go through shampoo faster than I go through conditioner. Very yeah, that, that's why we have seven conditioners okay. and no so- shampoo.
1: So what happens, though, is I like the conditioner and the shampoo to match. So like if I get tea tree shampoo, I want tea tree shampoo and tea tree conditioner. So when I and I, as you can see, I rotate shampoos because I learned like when I was in seventh grade, it's good for your hair to like not use the same shampoo over and over and over again. Okay. so I will get a different shampoo each time. So every time I go to the grocery store, I get a pair. I get a shampoo and a conditioner.
0: I know. So what that means is we have seven half bottles of conditioner in our shower. Not a problem. It is a problem because there's no <laughs> space to put like to my put bar- your radio my bar of soap.
1: No, there is that thing over the, the shower, caddy. shower caddy. Put so your soap there. When
0: are these conditioners gonna leave?
1: Okay, we've lived together what 14, 15 years. Give or take. They eventually leave, correct?
0: It's Can not I like- I throw we... a half conditioner away, I guess is my question. Are you ever going to use the half?
1: Often I times I give it to the girls and put it in their bathroom when they run out of conditioner because they don't really care. Yeah. So a lot of times How it about, gets
0: moved. So today, if I take all those conditioners and put them in the girls other than whichever one matches the shampoo- Correct. Don't I, take I, the matchy, okay. the
1: matchy, matchy.
0: <laughs> Love it.
1: <laughs> they Love have it. to go together. That is
0: so good. Rob Bell. RB.
1: So good.
0: All right. So okay. where were you? And then let's do a listener's question.
1: No, we got to do Pat Oswalt oh, and then right. listener's question. So this is what I was going to say is I think I've told you guys this, but, uh, Ian Levanzant has this show on, uh. Uh, own that I always watch, and now one of my daughters watches it with me. But it's called the Fix Your Life. And the whole gist of the show... and I think again, it's called
0: Gist, but go ahead. <laughs> the whole gist
1: <laughs> is really just watching this kind of experience of allowing pain to rise up and letting it go. And it's, it's a TV show, so I'm sure it's edited, blah, blah, blah. I know when people come back to me and they say, but it's reality, it's okay. I hear that. But really what she is modeling is exactly the kind of body work that I have done in my lifetime that – I don't know if you've had – you've had some pretty significant body work experiences. Some people experience this in therapy where things come up. Oh, I know you have because you guys do some of this stuff in your other organizations. And it's like shadow work. It's like where you bring up what has – what was unconscious, what was suppressed, what was the shadow, you bring up that pain and oftentimes when you look at it it was never true to begin with. It yeah. was like a message that was given to you that wasn't even real. But you can't know that until it's brought up and and it's uncomfortable and painful to bring it up. Right. And, uh, and here's something interesting um, that I have found with working with people who grieve, and also being a grieving person myself when I have grieved, is that when you experience grief, oftentimes a lot of your old grief mm-hmm. comes up at the same time comes as the along new grief. For the ride. It does. It's like a big magnet, yeah. where like any old grief that you've had just come, just like Todd said, comes along for the ride, and everything rises to the surface. Where you're like, I'm. You know, maybe someone died, but I'm thinking about a trauma from
0: childhood too. Well, and that's when like we go nuts on our spouse and it's like uh, you, uh, whatever, you're supposed to bring dinner home and you didn't. And then the husband or the wife goes crazy. It's not about the dinner. It's about some other deep seated thing. That went on, like when it when the stimulus does not match the reaction. There's something else going. The response. On. The response.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and it's that way with grief too, where grief over one event can be significant. I'm not trying to downplay it, but oftentimes grief over one event brings up every grieving event you've ever, especially the ones you didn't look at. Yeah. Especially the ones that you thought you would repress. Right. And so, anyway, I was just wanted to bring up that show, Fix My Life. It's really not for kids. It's really an adult show. My child is much older. um, So it's not like a child show. It's adult themes. Um, What were you
0: supposed to do? Once the pain comes up, what are you supposed to do with it?
1: You got to, well, first of all, you got to give voice to it. It's got to be said. Someone needs to. I'm going to take away the word need. It helps when someone witnesses it and stays with you and holds space and sees it. That could be a therapist. That could be your partner. That could be... But it doesn't have to be that way. Some people can do that through journaling. They can do that through meditation or their own mindfulness, Mm -hmm. You know, bringing something up and having a good cry in meditation. It doesn't always have to be witnessed. I, as you know, like to have... It helps me to have my pain witnessed because I like that kind of interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel like that's my work with people right. is being witness to other people's pain. And so that some people like one way, some people like another. But then once it's out, then it's like it, it, envision this you guys, it was almost like a dark cloud covering your heart. Yep. And then when you bring that pain up, your heart is open again. It doesn't mean the pain can't be felt anymore. It means it's no longer clouding your heart. Right. You can actually put it in a place that allow you can allow it to become compassion or empathy it can transform into something that helps you or informs you or reminds you to not make maybe similar decisions from the past or how to conduct your life going forward it can be very informative and
0: when it does when the pain comes up and you give it a voice what do you do after that you cry no you
1: oh jeez you were totally trying to set me up I i was i was You know what oh I was going to say? What? After I have a good release, I am starving.
0: Then mm. you I eat. I eat.
1: Nom, 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 nom.
0: Yes. I get thirsty, too. Can we do Patton Oswald? Please. Oh, let me do my second partner. Okay. Um, John J. Our
1: second partner. There's a lot of my going on.
0: <laughs> Our second. I'm the producer. I'm producing. I know,
1: but do you, it,
0: Our second partner. Thank you. John J. Kelly Dentistry. I feel like my mic isn't on or something. I don't know what's going on.
1: I hope it is. Oh, oh now you're loud in my ears.
0: Not in my ear. Um, so John J. Kelly dentistry, um, he, we get cleanings twice a year from him. God Correct. bless that man. And he's also has a different approach to proper facial alignment as it, when, when it comes to straightening your children's teeth. So he's an expert in the field. If you're interested in any of that, please look him up online. That's ChicagoDentistOnline.com, Sweetie. Who is Patton Oswald?
1: Um, Pat Patton Oswald is a actor and a comedian and a writer. And this year, unfortunately, um, his wife passed away. And she was very young. She mm-hmm. was our age. Um, she died in her sleep. I don't even know if we know why or what happened, but it's not for us to know. Yeah. That's his personal life. But he uh, recently won an Emmy Award um, for his stand-up. And he was re- he was also on the Conan O'Brien show, and he said something that Todd and I both thought was really valuable. So he's going to play you what he said.
2: She mm-hmm. kind of stuck with me, and and so it's just that weird. And then people ask me now, like, hey, so th- are you happy? Like with the... and obviously yes, I'm happy to have won an Emmy, but it's very it's very abstract because it it's the flavor of happiness, mm-hmm. but there's no calories or nutrition there. It's like I've taste. It's like it tastes like it, but there's nothing. And again, I, I'm not putting down winning an Emmy or anything like mm-hmm. that, but but like watching a bad movie with her or fussing over what we're going to pack for our daughters, like if we're going to go on a trip on a plane, like that was happiness. That yeah. that's what it actually felt like for real, mm-hmm. you know. So, for so I just feels like for a long time, I'm just going to have the flavor of happiness until I actually get to you know, and and luckily in a horrible, way... I mean, in a. Um, <clears throat> You know, I don't want to sound, but but it's like, aside from my daughter, uh, it's going to be a long, uh, The, the I, look, I'll take any silver lining I can out of this swamp full of poison, mm-hmm. and I think the one is that I will actually know real happiness if I run into it again, mm-hmm. based on what I experienced with her. Like, I right. now have this real living memory of that. Right.
0: That is really powerful.
1: And it, it's so powerful, and it's so it, it fits really well I, and we didn't do this on purpose these were kind of two yeah. different stories but it fits really well with the misery thing cuz sometimes it's about our focus like it is a pain in the butt to do lunches at night but when you're making a lunch for someone you love and you're in the kitchen with people you love and you're making a lunch that's real life that's being alive not because you're not doing something exciting like climbing a mountain but because you are with people you love in a home that is full of love with You know, shelter, security, and we we miss it.
0: You have every right or invitation to be happy in that moment when you're making lunches for the eighty fifth time of the year. And what are you going to focus on? I mean, there's amazing. There's some amazing things that. Happen when you're making lunches in the kitchen in the presence of the people you love.
1: And we, and this is what I mean about the misery loves company thing. What I believe is everybody has misery and everybody has joy. I, even though, yes, we can battle back and forth about who's got more, who's got more pain, I often feel it, it can sometimes feel like it's a story we tell ourselves yeah. about who has more and who has less. Yeah. And instead, what if we recognize that making that lunch? While maybe not overly stimulating and often quite boring, this is fuf- this is f- this is life. This is us going through life because, as we know, if the people who we were making that lunch for and with went away, then everything would be empty calories.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of uh, role models are just a big, been a big part of just my radar in the last week or so, and you need to have role models. And when I talked about you know the competition for whose life is harder. There's this guy named Nick who we talked about Uh on our, and he's a man who was born without arms and really no legs. No legs, yeah. And he is a motivational speaker, Uh and he's an amazing, beautiful man who has this wonderful message. I think of that lady on Oprah from like 15 years ago who got burnt in a fire. Correct. Jackie
1: was her name. Her face was Mm -hmm. just
0: completely Mm -hmm.
1: disfigured.
0: Mm And she gave herself an hour every day to cry. Mm -hmm. And then the other hour she's up, she's up.
1: So if we wanted to get into a race or some kind of competition with Jackie, it would be a no-brainer who wins, right? right? But- Jackie doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. She's not going going around everyone saying, feel sorry for me. Actually, she wants the exact opposite. See me. Mm-hmm. See what I do have. Yeah. Don't look at me for my pain. Yeah. Notice what I do have to give, as does Nick. Yeah. And Nick has created, you know, and he said this himself, you know, he's created this life for himself where he thought when he was a little boy, because he was born with this... Uh,
0: yeah, without these Yeah, without limbs. arms and
1: legs. He thought, I will never have a life. I will never have love. I will never... Well, now he's like... When you look at the list of motivational speakers, he's like number 20. Yeah, He does very well for himself. He is married and he has a child. Yeah. He has a full life because he chose to use what he had.
0: And I just think it's so powerful because sometimes we get caught in our day-to-day, I, I was going to say mundane, but just the, the grind. And unless we're having these reminders, we talk about flexing your spiritual muscle or doing your workouts Mine is to look at these people and to learn from them and to use their experiences to not hold my my own self limitations back. If they could do it, darn it, I can do it too.
1: And they and like Ted said, they are literally role models where. There, I'm trying to think. There was somebody just recently that I kept saying to you, if she can keep going, I can. I don't who remember. was I talking about? Well, it doesn't matter, but I think about so many people who, you know, I was listening to a, This American Life about the refugees, about the Syrian refugi- refugees, and how they've created a home for themselves in this camp that they're living in. And pe- there's people falling in love, and there's people who are selling bread, and mm. they are living, they are staying alive, even in this state of where people, many people are very uh, negative toward them and uncaring. Yeah. And they're like, we are going to stay alive. And if they can do that, I can do what I'm doing. And, you know, people who have had more difficulty or, or whatever, and I, instead of feeling sorry for them, I pull from them their strength. I say, if you got that, I got that. Because we all do. Whatever, my Angelou, whatever is of another human being is of me. Yeah. And so we, when we see somebody being evil, instead of or evil, I don't like that word, but that gets too spiritual. When we see someone who is being cruel, we know that if we were not taking care of ourselves and focusing on our goodness, we have the capacity to be cruel too. So instead of saying that person's awful, they were born that way, we say his pain or her pain is leading to that cruelty. And any human being could be like that unless they're in their integrity. And then at the same time, it's, you know, it's the other way around. Yeah,
0: so when you turn that around, these amazing people yes. like Nick and Jackie, that is of us too. That is of
1: us too. We have the ability. And it's not a simple, it's not a decision that you make once. It's a decision that you make again and again and again. Living Every is a day. conversation with no end. Yeah. It's a constant conversation.
0: Um, Before we do our listeners' questions, sweetheart, um, we have sponsorships available for the big conference.
1: We do? Some? Yeah. Some. We have a lot of partners already. How many do we have?
0: I think we have eight. Yeah. Um, But I want to highlight one of our – actually, the first lady who signed on. We love her. dot com. Rita Highland Coaching helps passionate professionals, entrepreneurs, executives, and moms and dads to identify and create the work and life they love so that they ensure the greatest version of their life, parenting, and leadership is at play and improve the world why they do. Rita Highland dot com.
1: I'll tell you something. Rita's a good friend. We've had her on the show. She's in women's circle. She's a you know peer of mine. My- we work together. And um I recommend her all the time. So if you are looking for someone who especially um family kind of coaching or career coaching, she it runs the gamut. She's she does all sorts of things, but I highly recommend her and she's going to be at the conference. And those of you who were at the conference last year probably remember her because she had a rockin'
0: booth. booth. Yeah. She didn't mess around. Yes. So she, she sold um, those socks. I say that to say thank you to Rita. And also if you are connected to any business who might be interested in sponsoring? Shoot me a, an email at comments at zenparentingradio dot com.
1: You know, Todd, I can't believe we got all the way through this talk about Misery, and you played no
0: clips from Misery. I ran out of time. We we've, we've already recorded one podcast today, and um, so this is our second podcast. I know, but I want today. you
1: to play the Dirty Birdie one.
0: All right, no problem.
1: Because Misery is one of those movies and books that is so horrifying and has humor in it.
0: It's so awesome.
1: Annie. Annie Wilkes. Is that her name?
0: Yeah, that sounds right. You're not right. listening to me. No, I'm totally well, listening to you're everything not, you're saying. You're not
1: listening. I can tell. Todd does this glaze thing There's when no I'm trying glaze. to talk to him. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like a...
3: Paul, what you've written just isn't fair. Not fair. That's right. When I was growing up in Bakersfield, my favorite thing in all the world was to go to the movies on Saturday afternoons for the chapter plays. Cliffhangers. I know that, Mr. Man. <laughs> they also call them serials. I'm not stupid, you know. <laughs> anyway, my favorite was Rocket Man. And once it was a no-breaks chapter. And the bad guys stuck him in a car on a mountain road, knocked him out, and welded the door shut, and tore out the brakes, and started him to his death. And he woke up and tried to steer and tried to get out, but the car went off a cliff before he could escape. And it crashed and burned, and I was so upset and excited. And the next week, you better believe I was first in line. And they always start with the end of the last week. And there was Rocket Man trying to get out. And here comes the cliff. And just before the car went off the cliff, he jumped free. And all the kids cheered. But I didn't cheer. (laughs) I stood right up and started shouting, this isn't what happened last week. Have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us. This isn't fair. He didn't get out of the cock a doo car.
0: Oh, Annie. She won an Oscar for that role. She sure did.
1: Kathy Bates, everybody. Kathy Bates.
0: Um, question from our friend. I have three daughters. Okay. Eight, six, and three. Oh, This I've is been actually there. a really honest and vulnerable question. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Okay. The eight-year-old has a personality trait that drives me bananas, and I wanted to hear your thoughts. She thrives on attention With family and friends She gets very loud and excited Perfectly normal and understandable At home, she needs lots of adult attention Again, understandable But when we are out, say getting ice cream If a new person engages her And she's in the right mood She will get loud and start bragging and showing off She turns into a charm monster And I don't find it that charming I can hear Kathy responding to me and (laughs) saying Isn't that interesting? Why does my daughter's behavior trigger this annoyance in me? I'm not entirely sure, but I know the bragging factor is part of it. I'm not sure how to balance my delightful daughter, who is I reassure who I reassure that she is a great kid, who I want to let her be herself, who I am very careful with my words around, with my instinct to not show off, have some humility, and not think that she is better than others. Her and I are both very book smart, both found and find school, fun and easy, but we're obviously different people with different talents. Maybe the answer is that I need to sit with my own discomfort in her behavior. But on the other hand, I don't want her to be an obnoxious bother to others. Again, Kathy's voice. But why am I concerned with others thinking she's obnoxious? I don't know.
1: That's great. Well, she's obviously really self-aware and has, you know, and and she's saying it's my voice, but it's her voice. Yeah. I just think it's you, easy you just to put my po- face on. pointed
0: her in the right direction. Right.
1: You know, it's things that she would probably question her about uh anyway. You know, some it, it, but regardless, I think that's great, mom. And um, and I think uh we've all been there in certain situations. Um, and I think it's both. I think that your question about why does this bother you is a really important one, not to be shaming or critical of yourself. You got to be really compassionate with yourself because most of the time especially in our generation, we were raised to be quiet and to be kind and to never show off and to and it got taken sometimes to an extreme where we would allow boys to show off or allow boys to do what they wanted to do but the girls had to be quiet and we had to kind of be the catering type um, that was often role modeled to us and so anything outside of that norm can be very uncomfortable and it can feel, can kind of grate on us. Like part of it is That feeling that kind of built in feeling that we have from childhood where our kids shouldn't be doing that a and then there's that underlying unconscious feeling of I didn't get to do that. So you don't either. That's not the conscious feeling. I know you're not believing that on the surface, you're not like, wait, I want to be bragging, but it's that unconscious piece of what it means to be a girl in our culture. At the same time, don't think that this is all about you. There's always lessons for your daughter in these situations because some of the language you you used was, I don't want her to think that she's better than other people. And I want you to differentiate between the fact that her talking about herself and feeling good about herself is not her saying she's better than other people. That's kind of a misunderstanding that we have, that if we actually feel good about ourselves and have confidence, that it somehow relays that we think we're the best. And those aren't always synonymous. That's not always true. So that's something I want you to kind of pull apart. When you're listening to her talk about herself, is she putting other people down or is she just talking fondly about herself?
0: I totally hear you, but let's just say for example, that she actually was doing it at the expense of others. Okay,
1: then Then that is a, that's a good teachable moment um, to maybe, maybe she's like you said, you're getting ice cream and she's kind of showing off for, you know, the strangers. And then afterwards, if she was saying things like, oh, I can do that better or I'm better or no, you don't know how to do it. Let me show you say you know what you know afterwards saying you know there's something I love about you and it's your confidence because you really believe in yourself. But you have to understand that everybody else has something to share too mm-hmm. and that maybe you were talking over that person and not listening to them and you have every right to be proud of yourself. But at the same time, communication is creating space for other people too. So within her confidence, there is always a place to teach humility. I Humility is probably my third favorite wor- word in the whole world because I believe in people being fully themselves and embracing who they are and accepting. But if that is not done with humility, that can go off the rails really fast. Mm -hmm. We have to understand that we are great, each of us, and so is everybody else. And so when little kids are really – and when I'm using the word full of themselves, I don't mean it negatively. I mean when they feel full about who they are, which is basically what we want them to hold on to – That's at the same time we can teach that, you know, that way you feel about yourself, that's what we want to make sure everybody else is caring too. So we don't want to make it a competition about who is better because you are great and so are they and so is the other person. And so it can be done in little – like every situation you run into where you're feeling that nag – in your body where you're like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable with what she's doing, you're going to do two things. The first thing you're going to do is take a breath and go, what am I doing? Where is this coming from? Maybe having a little humor in the moment. Like, Check
0: yourself before you wreck yourself.
1: Yes. And and just taking a deep breath and saying, is this my childhood speaking? Is this my belief about what girls should be speaking? Do I want my girls to be nice, quiet, kind, and polite? And my, out, my, my really outspoken daughter is making me uncomfortable. And... And it's not even an or, you can do and. And in this moment, can I keep my heart open to what my daughter is doing and Pay attention to if she is missing that everybody else in that conversation matters. Mm. If she's missing that, that's a wonderful conversation to have over ice cream. Yeah. You know, that is a wonderful thing that you can do. But why the first part is so important about checking yourself is you want to make sure your intention in that conversation is not to change her, but to support her. Yeah. Because if you are in fear, or if you think she's wrong, you are going to tell her there's something wrong with her. I have a friend who has who has a very uh, loud speaking voice. She's very boisterous and talks loud and, is, and it has served her in her life, believe me. But when she was little, her mother, who didn't think she should be that loud, would tell her, you're too loud, you're too loud, you're too loud. And my friend, it took her a lot to get her voice back. Mm-hmm. And she does have it back. But we got to be careful to not tell our children there's something innately wrong with them.
0: Um, I think that's wonderful advice and you might have to help me with my suggestion but okay. I was just at Soul Love Fest and I was talking to this woman and she talked about this thing that she does every now and again with her family at the dinner table and, and maybe I've even shared it with you okay. where they each share what their superpower is like, Ooh, cool. so the idea is like you know maybe the son says his superpower he can run really fast okay. and uh, sometimes those are all wonderful superpowers, but sometimes you have to kind of Bring in your superpower because if you are using your superpower all the time, every time, and you're running really fast and you're in the classroom, that's not really the time to use your superpower. Mm. So this maybe this girl's superpower is her ability to believe in herself. My goodness, what a wonderful gift she has! But there are times when you want to bring out your superpower, and other times when you want to temper it, temper it a yeah, little bit. So, oh, I love is Isn't that good? That's We've never done really that. We should good. try that.
1: That is so good because. There's nothing in that language that's saying anything that she's doing is wrong. Right. What you're saying is, when, it's almost like Clark Kent, Superman.
0: Yeah.
1: Clark Kent is always Superman. Yeah. But there are times when Clark Kent needs to leave on his glasses. Yeah. Right. Um, and we can find for we can say for Supergirl, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have to talk about Clark Kent with yeah. our girls, but Supergirl or Wonder Woman, that there is a time when they need to leave their clothes on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Leave your hat on. Well,
1: and you know what I mean by that. I they do. need to stay. And so that's a really good way to explain that. And then
0: if you want to have fun with it, this might be harder, but then what's your kryptonite? You know,
1: that's what I thought you were going to say was what's the the kryptonite? Yeah.
0: What's the thing that you struggle the most with? And maybe it's funny, this woman who wrote in, maybe her kryptonite is a braggart. Yeah. You know, or her perception of people... (laughs)
1: And any time we see something in other people that triggers us, and I know this is why she said she hears my voice in her head, it is something in us that we're unwilling to look at. Is it the fact that we're were not we not giving voice to ourselves? Is it the fact that we're not as confident? Is it the fact that we are overconfident and we're annoyed when other people are overconfident? It's not always the same message. Yeah. It's not a black and white message, but... She is teaching you something through her behavior. She's not doing it to teach you something. She's doing it because that's what she's doing. But what can you learn from it? And it's also a great – she's your oldest. So it's probably going to be something that you will use again with your next two daughters. That's
0: right. Great Um, question. Sweetie, nice job. Uh, So real quick, um, iTunes review. We didn't get any iTunes reviews, which means that we got to do this.
2: It's
1: only been one week. There were four last week.
0: But Millie wrote in. Millie, our friend from oh, yes. the West She's Coast. She's going
1: to come to the conference, She's right? She's to the conference, okay, and
0: she said, it is a longer email, but she says, suffice to say, you got huge kudos for me, because she wrote some reviews, but they never showed up or we never shared them, um, for being a powerful podcast in my life. And at that time, my only podcast. I'd actually gone into your archives and systematically listened to every single one of your podcasts going back to your very first one. In hindsight, I can now actually credit you guys for helping me begin and embrace my self-discovery and self-awareness journey. Ooh. It's now two years later, and I've learned so much from you and your guests. I really hope to make it out to the conference in February so give you to give you hugs in person. Aww. Keep on doing the great and important work that you do, Millie.
1: Thank you, Millie. Thank that you, Millie. That was really nice.
0: Um, so anyways, that's all I got. I think right, I'm baby. done. I'm looking at my notes. Whatever. Are you tired? I got... 85 things to do and not enough time.
1: You know what? I think I'm going to, even when we um, pick up the girls, I think I might still work and just maybe we can all have dinner together. Are you going somewhere tonight?
0: I want to go somewhere tonight, but I was thinking I'd make tacos. Where where are you going tonight? I want to go to guts training.
1: Oh, what time is that?
0: 7.30. (sighs) Why is that bad? It's not. I just (laughs) like it when
1: you're home better. So can I tell you one more thing before we go? Sure. Um, You know, we were talking about teacher and school songs I One of the songs that gives me the heebie-jeebies. Oh, I'll pull it up. You ready? Sure. Foster the People, Pumped Up Kicks. And let me tell you why it gives me the heebie-jeebies. This song was so popular about two or three years ago. Everybody was singing it, playing it. It's about a school shooting. Yikes. And it's got this beat that sounds really poppy mm-hmm. and uplifting. I heard Cameron singing it coming down the stairs a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, you know what that song is about? And... It's yeah.
0: Why are you bringing up such negative stuff?
1: Because all the teacher education songs oh, were negative.
0: Got it. got it. Is this negative too?
1: Well, what I want people to hear is how they like overlaid like a really wait till you get to or it's pumped up kicks. Did I say that?
0: Pumped up. This is pumped up kicks. So
1: get to the chorus. Outrun my gun.
0: It's awful.
1: Well, yet, I think a lot of people sang this song and didn't know what they were singing about. Yeah. Isn't it poppy? Can't you see how this could get stuck in your head?
0: Sure. All right. We can't end the show on that. we come up with a positive. Well, don't song. play
1: hot for teacher again.
0: No, I won't. Give me a positive. Um, song. How about. Um... I got it. Oh, Uh oh, don't worry, sweetie. I got it. Okay.
3: Oh my god! I was going to
1: say to play this! Oh my god, that's so weird! Why would we both think of this at the same time?
0: Because we're connected.
1: That is weird. Weird. I wish I would have said it, because then it would have been like...
0: No, because then I would have had the same experience you just had, as I was just thinking that.
1: I was going to say, play Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Dorothy. That's cool. That's what we call a coincidence... And this is the kind of thing I would write down in my coincidence journal.
0: You have a coincidence journal? I do. How many? Cameron's got like eight journals.
1: <laughs> so do I. Mine aren't journals. they are a notebook. I got one
0: that I don't write in.
1: That works. <laughs> blank pages. It's called the book of blank pages. Um, I love Judy Garland. Don't you?
0: What's why? How'd she get so screwed up?
1: Oh well,
0: she was. A, she People drank, didn't right? take
1: care of her, and she—they gave her a lot of meds because they needed her to go on stage and sing. And she had—I'm sure—has her own history. Yeah, um, a, lot pain had, a lot of pain bodies. A lot of pain bodies. A lot of—and I don't remember her parent story. I know, obviously, Liza Minnelli's parenting story because that's her daughter. Um, but Judy was not taken care of. They tried to get money. As much from her work as they could.
0: I don't even know if this is really a happy song, though. It's weird that we both chose no, it. No, it's hopeful. Hopeful, yeah.
1: This is this is it. It's always there. It's over the rainbow, you know.
0: Sweetie, it's almost as good as this one. Uh
1: oh, where, where are you going?
0: You probably know where I'm going.
1: I don't. I have no
0: idea. Hold on. Oh boy, <laughs> this is happy. Sweetie, I'll trade you somewhere over the rainbow for Star Wars any day. This is hopeful. As is somewhere over the rainbow. This is more hopeful. This
1: is masculine hopeful.
0: Ah, oh, so great.
1: And when I say masculine, I don't mean women right here. can't like it. I was going to say, it doesn't mean women can't like it, but it's that forcefulness. And somewhere over the rainbow has a gentleness, There's- but it's the same outcome. Right. Hope.
0: Did we play this at our wedding?
1: Yes, we walked out to this song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, everybody, we love you. Okay,
1: have a good week.
0: Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, even though it's October. No,
1: it actually is. It is. Um...
0: Yom Kippur. Yes. R- Rosh Hashanah.
1: Rosh Hashanah. Thank you. So happy Rosh Hashanah to those who are celebrating. When when does it begin and end? I don't want to be. I don't want to end on an ignorant note. I want to know. I don't know. Can you look it up here in front of the computer? Sure. When does Yeah, the holiday?
0: Let's Rosh Hashanah. Because we can listen
1: to the background of Star Wars while we do.
0: Twenty sixteen. Uh, it started Sunday night. Okay. And it ends Tuesday evening.
1: Okay. So you the day that they that this show comes out, it will be ending. So
0: happy yeah. Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, happy Rosh Hashanah. And uh, we'll see you guys uh next Tuesday. Keep trucking. I'll do my little song
1: it is my little song
0: our little song
1: our little song all right everybody have a good week adios hi everyone thanks for listening we appreciate it and we hope you'll join us next time If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday.
0: If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for guys <laughs> on the phone skype or in person we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals the website is toddadamscoaching.com and we also have a monthly men's group so if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with check out the tribe men's if you ever shop on amazon you can help us out by first going through the amazon link on our home page doesn't cost anything to you but we get a small commission from amazon If you want an amazing vehicle to teach your kids about money management, go to the lower right-hand side of our homepage and click on the FamZoo logo and enter Zen Finance as a promo code. I want to give a special thanks to our three partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, John J. Kelly Dentistry, and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking.